Welcome back to Hold My Beard, another bearded guys podcast of which we are the best. I am Eddie. I'm Bobby. And I'm Cody. Today we're going to be talking about how to discern God's voice in your daily prayer life. Today we are joined around the bot table by Mr. Cody. Once again, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. In the time since you were last on, what's changed? Has your life been better? Have you missed this dearly? So much. Yeah, my life has changed drastically. I find myself um, practicing in front of the mirror on a regular basis. Um, not about anything t- particularly important, just, you know, whatever my thoughts happen to be that day. Just being ready at all times. Yeah, always ready to podcast. Like the faithful Stuart. <laughs> it will, no one will know the time where Sinner's Take will come to your door. But to the podcaster who is ready with gear set up and, and thoughts prepared. My lamp is always lit. You know? <laughs> my mic is always on. My mic. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, all that to say, um, thanks for listening. So Have a good day. Yeah, we'll talk it, to you later. Yeah, we, I, we had no idea what topic we were going to do. But then, again, the perennial topic of, came up of how do I know it's God's voice or my voice in prayer? How do I know it's not just my voice thinking it's God's voice, but it's really my voice? And then you're neurotic. And you just go on with your day and never decide anything. Can I start by what does perennial mean? I hear people say it a lot, but I really don't know what it means. It means all year round. So if a flower is a perennial, it's all uh-huh. seasons. In every season. So yeah, okay, that makes sense. This is a topic that is relevant always. What you're saying? Yeah. Um, I so think it, I think there's a struggle with that for sure. Words on Wednesdays. <laughs> is it? Is it is a Wednesday? Thanks for listening, everyone. Check back <laughs> with you next week. <laughs> I, what I've noticed too, it's it's you have such an emphasis nowadays in pop culture and people talking about meditation, and not prayer anymore. And that's an important shift because if I'm meditating, like it's important to exercise and eat well and meditate and whatever. I think it used to be like prayer, because church was also much more like that was just something you did. But now we're kind of in this post-Christian point in, in the West anyway, of where like it's meditation, it's yoga, it's whatever. It's like, it's all about me meditating inward and prayer implies i'm praying to something or someone the prayer is going out somewhere and so that that shift even is is kind of where we're at i think a lot of young people are at is if there is any kind of internal discernment or wondering it's meditation and then so let's say you have now moved to say i believe god is real he wants something to do with me i believe he's still speaking today i need to pray to hear his voice and if you've gotten to that stage, then it's this, okay, how do I know it's his voice and not just my head talking? Yeah, I, I would even love just to touch on for a second just a little bit more of that meditation versus prayer type mentality. And maybe there's actually a whole podcast topic there on that because I do, you almost hear it interchangeably where it's, uh, it's you know, meditation or prayer or meditation and prayer. But it does seem that there is like a fundamental difference, like you had said, and it's almost that prayer if we really view it as a relationship with god and in a loving call and response back and forth the necessary part of love is that it is external is that it goes out from itself by nature love is creative and love goes out and finds the beloved i've heard i've heard people stop themselves like oh yeah i I exercise or i eat and i pray i mean i meditate like i've heard that more than once where people will stop themselves and change the wording i'm always wondering what's behind that I don't want to offend someone if a prayer implies usually a Christianity, like there's a belief going outward. If I'm in, 
conversation with a non-believer, then I don't like, I want to water it down almost. So it's just been interesting, like the stuff I've seen, because again, prayer implies a conversation almost meditation. Not really. It's just me and my own thoughts and trying to de-stress and everything. And that's fine, but it's also again, inward versus outward. Yeah. I do think there's almost in the culture, right? Right there yeah. that the culture wants the faith to be inward they want that's safe it's safe in the inward just keep where, it keep it to yourself yeah as long as you keep it to yourself it's all that matters i know that there was when that movie um silence was, silence yes right wow same page yes. look at that uh silence when that came out that was the whole that was the whole argument was at the very end of the movie if you have if you haven't seen it I'm not gonna do a whole synopsis on it but the the priest right he they're in japan and they're being persecuted and he ends up releasing the faith right and joining the japanese culture amidst persecution and at the very end of the movie it shows him holding a crucifix in his grave like almost that he kept the faith to himself but again like what's the point of that but yeah how is that heroic yeah and i think it's it stands in stark contrast with those who in the movie do willingly give up their life for the faith those who do are crucified and are tied up to crosses as the tide is coming in and they effectively drown. Like those are the heroes, not this priest that um, gives it up, so to speak. So like that's the challenge of sanctity. It's like it's always the fin- it's always to the finish line. You know, we're always a work in progress. We're always doing. And part of that is how are we living the faith? And I think to try to bring it back full circle because I'm a teacher, I can bring any tangent back to the main lesson. There is no such thing as a tangent. Given enough time, a teacher arrives exactly when he wants to. <laughs> um, to be empowered with that, to figure out, well, God, what are you calling me to do? We have to, be, I have to be able to figure out what is he calling me to do? How do I listen? How do I move in that direction? Requires me knowing it's God's voice, not just my own head. I do think it's a good push in our, like a right direction though, right? Because I... I was in an Uber with a, my good friend. I forgot his name because I only met him once. He was. He was a good friend, though. He was. <laughs> and he was a good the, friend. For the short time. That finest, we had. finest fighter pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> and he was a good friend. <laughs> for the short time that we had together, it came. Well, he had prayer beads all over his car, right? So I asked him, excuse me, meditation beads. Don't want to be offensive. Were they? They were meditation. Was beads. it like a Buddhist? Yeah, it was, it was. It was Hindu, right? That's what it came out. Is I asked him, "What are what are these beads? What are they for?" And he said, "Oh," or he mentioned something about how he was religious or, or spiritual, and he he talked about being Hindu and how he would make these retreats to these like these temples in India, and that was his favorite place to go was to go on these like spiritual retreats. I put air quotes around that, like spiritual retreats. Clearly, you heard those if you were in the audience. Where he was. <laughs> where he would go and just center himself. And I asked him, what, what does prayer mean for you? What does meditation mean for you? It sounded to me, and I, again, it's, it's also kind of a personal thing, mm-hmm. right? They don't have like a strict, it doesn't seem to me that they have a strict teaching on prayer. And if they do, I don't know what it is, but it seems to me that what their whole prayer is, is what the first step of Catholic or Christian prayer is which is simply just to center yourself so the push for that and and the recognition that that is good i think is a a step in the right direction but it's almost it's almost too little right you're not getting as much as you could out of the act of prayer if you stop simply at 
the centering of yourself. So, yeah, and I think it is, there's nothing wrong with anybody ever centering themselves and becoming aware of, I mean, so we, I, we even it, use the, the language of meditating on the scriptures or meditating on God's love and, and, and bringing that to contemplation, I think, but just what most people mean today is just, it goes back to me. Yeah. And it, it's almost without, without that, then sending forth into something greater, like Bobby was talking about, I, it, it does, it does feel just empty to me. Right. I mean, good. Like, yeah, th- one thumbs up for, for doing it, but like, we need to be doing more than that. So yeah, that does raise the question of, so, okay. So yeah, I have centered myself. Now I feel like that kind of puts us into the position of, we are an arrow being pointed, but like, where do we point ourselves from there? Right. And how do we know where to go? How do we know what it is that God wants from us? How do we know that we are listening to God at all, or he's even speaking to us at all, or how do we navigate the silence? I mean, there's a ton, there's a ton of questions with that. And I mean, we could, we could never possibly hope to cover the entire contemplative life in one podcast, but we're going to try anyways. I love that navigating the silence expression you just used because I will go into the chapel and set like a 10 to 20 minute timer on my phone because 15 minutes is 1% mm-hmm. as dear Cody mm-hmm. gave me the 15 minutes is 1% of your day. It's like 14.4678777777. Dang it. But I will have this period of silence and my brain is sometimes all over the place. And I really will try to purposely not bring a a library of books in with me. I try to do the rosary elsewhere to let just silence be silence. And so sometimes a person will pop up to mind that I haven't thought of in a long time. And I've learned that that's not always random. Sometimes that's a call like, hey, pray for this person. Or I haven't thought of this person in years. It's not just my brain synapses randomly like, firing and sending me this guy it's like hmm like the more i guess above all things like the more dialed in we are to god and his voice and reading the scriptures the more we will recognize his voice when he's trying to get through to us the less time we'll spend in our head wondering is that god or is that me like the more we are rooted in in his word the more time we make for silence and his voice our imagination will go all over the place but it's always just kind of reining it back in bringing it back to Christ, doing the Jesus prayer, simply really just kind of focusing on it. Uh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Imagining, Huber and I, you know, we've talked a lot about using our imagination. Your imagination is not the enemy. To imagine yourself in the scripture scene, your senses activated with the dirt, with the Sea of Galilee and the breeze, hearing the crowd, and really like letting your imagination be useful not shut it down and imagine Jesus in front of you. What is he saying? And don't try to put words in his mouth and hear what I want to hear. Look at him as if it were a movie scene and just wait and wait. And I've had times in prayer where that's it. And we're just, sometimes I'm sitting next to Jesus, like side by side on the edge of a boat and not saying anything. And it's just this comfort of like, he's there in whatever stress and whatever decision making, whatever is going on. He's there. He, tr- he trusts me to move. He trusts me to act and do what I need to do. He's not going to say, hold my hand through every decision. That's just a lot of stuff that kind of comes to mind. And like, how do you navigate a 
15, half an hour of silence, we were encouraged to build up to an hour in the seminary, like a, a holy hour. That could be, again, scripture, the rosary, but you're spending an hour in adoration on top of going to mass, doing liturgy of the hours. And then again, in, in like a secular working world, you got to do what you can. Take what you can, give nothing, nothing back. back. It's more like guidelines than the code. Um, the contempt of the life is more like guidelines than actual rules. <laughs> rules. Pirates of the Caribbean, 2003. Uh, Jeremy Bruckheimer, starring Johnny Depp, Keira Knightley, and Orlando Bloom. Never so, heard of it. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Was it really? No. Not, not at all. I'm curious, because that, that movie is very good. This tangent was brought to you by Walt Disney Studios, which currently owns everything. Or soon will. Soon will own Sinner's Take. <laughs> Something I had, I've been reading this book. It's called The Contemplative Hunger. I is by Father Donald Haggerty. It is a shameless plug. I was not paid for this promotion, I but, and I don't need to be. The payment is you paid for the book. Yeah, I paid for the book. Honestly, so you're losing money right now. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think it deserves to be propagated though, and part of the reason is because I help out um, lead retreats over the summer. We have the opportunity to talk about prayer a lot. And then, so we have the opportunity to talk about prayer and then the kids go pray because we have a full week to work um, and to to spend with them. Something that came up from this book that I shared that was really fruitful for me and seemed to be really fruitful for a lot of the participants was that silence is not God not responding. That That silence might be his response. It's because the silence he's not passive in the silence like he is he's very active in the silence whether it's for the sake of purification of some i don't know like spiritual pride or some some other vice that we need to work through or whether it's because you know the less you almost like the less you have something the more you want it like almost to inflame desire for himself through the silence or simply because he, uh, he just wants to look at you you know he just he just is caught up in i don't want to i don't want to like speak too bold but you know almost in like the awe of his love for you you know like almost in like amazement of you obviously it's different for him right and these are all human terms that we're appropriating for the way that he loves us but that that silence might actually just be his response you know, and it, it's not a passive silence. It is an active silence. So that's a thought that comes to mind. For no, me. that's awesome. Because there's a point where you're, you're watching a sunset and there are no words. You just, you just you're in it. And, and you can feel in those moments like neglect or like it's, yeah, like some divine neglect of, oh, I have nothing to say to you right now. Or mm. there's not, there's nothing really burning on my heart to like communicate to you. Like he's always there and always desiring communication but like you said, sometimes the more beautiful form of communication is not actually speaking. I can sit next to my wife and, you know, sometimes words are needed. I can look at my sleeping child and obviously I'm not going to speak to wake them up. But there's just, again, kind of like you take in the beauty of this little creature. What does God feel for us? Sometimes silence is his awe and reverence towards us, which is wild. I've never really thought about. And sometimes the silence is, again, is like no news is good news. It's almost like 
God's, especially if you are a little more advanced in your d- d- um, discipleship walk, you're not just a newbie. You're not, you're out of your, you got a couple of retreats and years under your belt. God doesn't need to give you the cotton candy at all times. So it's like, sometimes the silence is you're doing fine. Like no news is good news. I'll let you know if you're way off course, you will hit a wall. Trust me. You will feel the desolation or someone will make it known to you. But as of right now, you're good. Just you're in the daily grind and I'm here with you. You don't get a con candy for showing up. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've, we may have even talked about this before, but it almost, it is a necessary part of uh, the contemplative life is the silence. Probably the most, right? I mean, Mother Teresa talks about how God speaks loudest in the silence. You know, it's his primary language is silence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, right, you know, if you want to master anything, you have to get yourself to, to do it just for the sake of doing it. And I think not, this almost sounds like I'm going against the the gaze because, like I said, that the gaze of God being silent is a beautiful concept, but also in the sense that sometimes I think what the first two reasons that Cody had said as well about how God could be calling you into something else to let be less reliant on emotions or be less reliant on whatever it might be. If you were a kid and was were playing soccer and every time you scored a goal, your dad was like, all right, if you score a goal in this game, we can go, we're going to go get ice cream afterwards, right? Before the kid really falls in love with the sport. But if that was stayed all the way through high school and college and then theoretically professional that like, um, every time that this kid scored, he was only trying to score goals so he could go get ice cream afterwards. Like there would be a problem there, right? Like sooner or later you have to score goals or at least try to score goals for the sake of you want to be good and you want to master this. There would be, it would be disordered to say that if the kid was stayed reliant on that. And that would be the same way with the relationship with God. So that's, I would like to see a professional soccer player though. Being like, I'm going to get yeah. ice cream with my dad after this. <laughs> yeah. There was that's why I'm here. Little side story about Lionel Messi. He was the, he's the greatest soccer player of all time, and if uh, it's just a fact. But he, when he was a kid, his coach said that he would give him a cookie every single time that he scored a goal, and this kid would score like six, seven goals a game, right? Um, when he was a kid, and he would never score. He would just dribble through everybody, and then basically walk the goal and ball into the goal. And the coach said, like, "Hey, I want you to try and use your head." So he's like, "If you score a goal with your head, it'll count as two cookies." So he. <laughs> The kid, Messi dribbles through everybody, dribbles around the goalie, walks the ball up to the up to the goal line, stops it, flicks it up with the, with his foot, and then headers it into the goal. And then he turns to his coach and points, gives him like, uh, goes two and points, gives like two two fingers to his coach, not middle fingers, but like yeah. just got like a, a peace sign to his coach and just goes two. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Alex probably gonna cut it out, but anyway. Um, no, that's important. Yeah. So that's that's Alex, that's important. <laughs> So that's uh, silence, right? But I think a lot of people would struggle and they say like, okay, but how do you know when you are hearing the voice of God, right? Um, I think Bobby, I kind of touched on it a little bit about it's very important to be immersing yourself in who God is. And he most primarily reveals himself to us in scripture, in the sacraments, in um, and even in the lives of the saints, right? How, by learning about who like how he has revealed himself through other people through whatever it might be you know some people respond very well to nature and god reveals himself to there or in other people whatever it might be but you need to be immersing yourself in god's personality essentially in how he has chosen to reveal himself to to the to his people and the more that you do that the more you will be aware of when it happens to you mm-hmm. in whatever way that that takes form I've had moments in prayer where I have heard God like speak. Like there will be a sentence that comes out of nowhere that I know I didn't 
contrive. There was one retreat we did in at the period of adoration came up and it's, you know, 40, 50 young men just getting rocked by Jesus. And I'm in the back of the room watching and I just heard, and for me, it was kind of a dry season of prayer. I, I was feeling not distant, but just it'd been a long time since I'd gotten any cotton candy or cookies. And all of a sudden I just, out of nowhere, there's this voice that's like, thank you. And I knew it was this voice of like the work you did behind the scenes to, you know, get this retreat ready to help with these boys. They are now sitting in front of me. So now I'm, I can do my thing. And it was just this like booming, like, thank you in my head, in my heart. And I just started like crying baby. I know. And so <laughs> there are moments where it's a tangible, like that, that, that was not me. God, God spoke there. There's times where my imagination waters, as I said earlier, uh, I'll think of friends. I'm like, where did that person come from? Or I wonder what they're doing. And I take that now is that's not just random uh, brain synapses. That's Holy Spirit trying to like, hey, I need to pray for this guy. Or maybe reconnect with him. I'll text him or call him even like, hey, how you doing? It's been a while. And sometimes, yeah, they're going through something big. And that's where, again, with the more we are in tune with God, the more we are in tune with where he is and where he's moving and where he wants us to go. So I think, I believe he uses our brains. He, he's able to put, we put on the mind of Christ. And so literally we're able to really understand kind of like professor X cerebro, like we're able to better connect to, that's my Marvel reference for the podcast. There's at least one every time better put them on the mind of Christ and know like who's suffering, who needs our prayers, who needs our intercession. And just, uh, when you said that you, you heard the voice of God, you didn't, you don't mean like you heard a audible in your ears, like voice you meant you mean it or do you do you mean that or did you mean like like you heard it but in your heart and in your head yeah it wasn't like an out loud in the room and i'm looking around wondering if did anyone else hear that it was like a booming in my heart in my head that like i didn't that wasn't me like i knew that for a fact i i, I need saints you know there are stories of saints though that they have there's something audible in the room or they again they are that in tune with with the mind of god and the holy spirit that they're affecting physical change. They're able to call out different spirits. They're able to read our our spirits and know our confession before we even get into the room. The holier you are, again, it's not hard. It's just putting in the time with the Lord and living it. Um, we have a million excuses, but it's it's pretty simple. And to watch these saints do their thing, it's like, wow, what does God what does God want to do with me if I just give Him the time of day? Yeah, and I I, I struggle with when I hear the stories of the saints like that. It's. I think I was talking to Cody about this the other day. It's almost, and because I, I know this is not true, I know that you know people like people always say, if God just were to come down to Earth and just prove Himself right now, everything would be better. And it's like, well, God tried that and it didn't work, right? Uh, and I understand the whole. There is no limit to what we will be stubborn about. But sometimes when I read the lives of the saints, I'm just like, that's just unfair. Like how how come? Like who was it? It's Saint Margaret Mary who's just walking down the street and like could just see. Jesus in the sky or in the crowd and like she he's visi like physically there and talking to her and I'm like come on like <laughs> are you kidding me of course she of course she can believe in Jesus and I like I said I know in my heart of hearts that that's not true but like it's just it is still frustrating to hear to 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 deal with that right where where that is been the case for some people and like I said for all I know in my own pride right that that might destroy my faith life I might take that completely the wrong way i might run with it i may get a super inflated ego 
And who knows what kind of damage that is? I mean, God knows, right? So, but because it's even like some like young kids, right? Young, God, Jesus would just appear. St. Catherine of Siena was six the first time she had an apparition of, of Jesus. Like, come on. What up with that? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> it, it, is, it is blatant favoritism is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you got St. Faustina's whole journal yeah. of, of paragraphs and sentences Jesus has spoken to her that she writes down for the good of the entire church, not just for her and her, for her to be a rock star. And the, the thing is, is that came with a, we, and we always, we want the good of that. We want like, yeah, I want Jesus to appear to me. But then we're like, we look at the rest of St. Faustina's life and we're like, I don't want, I don't want the rest of that though. I don't, can I, can I take the apparitions hold the suffering please? <laughs> uh, I think another important piece of this is going back to something that you had said, Bobby is, it's important to recognize that it there are more voices speaking to us than we give credit to, mm-hmm. right? And I think there are three main voices, like God, the enemy, and ourselves. I, I think that's why it's so important to learn the skill of recognizing which voice is God and which one is not him, uh, which one is the other two, because uh, we could get into a situation where, you know, you start thinking well i am hearing the voice of god or like interiorly i am experiencing his voice but it's not actually something that he's saying you know it's not it's some lie that it that is being fed to you you know and it's easy to fall into stuff like this you have like a bad experience in prayer or you have a bad uh, you know whatever it is you give into some sin that you have consistently struggled with and it's easy to feel condemnation or it's easy to feel like this immense weight of guilt like, how, how do I even approach you at this point? But that's, it's just not him speaking. And and even the recognition of that, of this might not be God, or th- this might be someone who is intentionally trying to drive a wedge in between God and I, I think is, is another, again, first step down the path of recognizing which voice is his. And I, I think, th- you know, the telltale sign is when I listen to this voice, what is the fruit of that when i if i genuinely listen to this voice and and give give myself to it and to the thought of it do i find that it brings peace to my heart do i find that it it settles any worries that i have do i find that it is speaking from a place of love or do i find that when i really give myself to this i feel like a piece of trash or you know just worthless or angry or sad or you know, do I give in to despair? Does this lead to despair? Or does it lead to peace and to life? But it takes patience and it takes time to learn that skill. And and again, like you like you have been saying, we have been saying, it takes time spent with him to begin to recognize which voice that is. Yeah, I'm big on the you know the tree by the fruits. So, yeah, is it producing peace or is it producing anxiety? Yeah, I know we've kind of talked about a lot of separate things. This has kind of been a bit of a scattered scattershot with this whole thing. And I think it is, there really is no way around it because the contemplative life is so different for every person and is so unique, right? God uniquely designs your own faith life for you, reveals himself to you how is best fit for you. So the fact of the matter is, is my experience in prayer is going to be extremely different than Cody's, than Bobby's, and any of you who is listening. And we can't just give you a like step-by-step, here's how you become contemplative. And here's how you contemplate God's voice. And here is how you hear his voice in your life. Because I, I do know people who have like that thing that Bobby 
experienced and I mean I have also experienced I believe Cody has as well and a lot of people but I do know people who that's just not the case God does not reveal himself in that way and that isn't bad right like we said is that God reveals himself to everyone we we all have different gifts like some do get the prophetic words and some that takes time to develop and and tune into that and some people that's just not their gift and it's not uh, we're all going to get the same exact gifts of the Holy Spirit here yeah and I mean it's all and it's almost like the I think what we had talked about earlier, we touched on the, it almost seems like the more silent, the more further you enter into the contemplative life, the more like the more uh, infrequent, infrequent that the actual like hearings of God's voice almost are going to happen. It's going to be a lot more silent time, Mm. but it seems like when someone's just entering the faith, like we said, they get that, the, the consolation feeling a lot, you know, and I've had some students just even just this year talk about, real crazy encounters you know i had one one of my students just recently was talking about how we were sitting in the chapel and he felt like he audibly heard the voice of god calling his name that's never happened to me right and this kid's like 15 years old like what what the heck god but all that i mean all that to say i think that god he knows you better than you know yourself and he knows what's going to best fit right for for you to know him and i think this is from the contemplative hunger as well what i'm about to say i think because cody mentioned this to me and if you would like to explain it go ahead but you were talking about how in, in the book, everything that God does is him drawing himself into you, right? Every every response that he has to you in prayer, whether it be silence or whether it be uh, desolation or whether it be consolation, he is, he's a chess master, right? Like he's thinking so many moves ahead of you that he is calling you into himself. And another big thing is that he is not one who likes to be predictable. He doesn't, he doesn't like for you to be able to like, access him like a magic eight ball because that's not faith right yeah, that's, he's not a tame lion yeah so he mm. you you if you go into like right you could you may even listen to what we are saying a word for and just try to do this and it's going to completely not work for you right because god watch it's almost like because we're, we're doing this god's going to be like well now they know the trick so now this is i'm going to make this not work for anybody because god is not one to be predicted so if you go into, even in your own life, if you've had success in prayer, like maybe you've prayed the rosary every day for two weeks and it has been just incredibly fruitful. And then all of a sudden you'll go three weeks where you're praying the rosary and you're like, this is terrible. Like what happened to the rosary being great? Uh, it's because God's like, all right, I'm not, you can't predict me. Stop trying to come to the same place and expect the same results because God is thinking way ahead of us. And that that's essentially what it is in the book. And the analogy that he uses is... Uh, hide and seek you're, you're playing the game and you finally you finally feel like you found him you go in one day and prayer is just you knock it out of the park right you're like oh man now i know the secret to prayer and you go in the next day and it's just like eddie was saying with the rosary you go in the very next day you do the exact same thing you did the day before in and the all exact the, same place and all of a sudden god is not there and it's <laughs> or oh, yeah, seem, seemingly not there. I've right? gone to retreats and you try to manhandle it, or you expect the same exact thing as before, and it's very different. And God, where He once rocked me, He's doesn't seem to be around. And it seems like kind of a jerk move, right? To be in one place and be like, "Oh, you're following me. You got it now." And then the next day, psych. But that is one way to kind of, I guess, perceive His movement in this. But I think what the way that father Haggerty writes about it in the book is is that it, it it's beautiful like it's spontaneous it's it's fruitful it is every day and that this is not from that book this is from a book called the the way of the disciple the contemplative life is the most adventurous undertaking of a lifetime because 
what else can you walk into every single day and have no idea what to expect? What else can you walk into every single day and be asked to change in a way that you were not expecting or in a way like to be completely broken down and transformed, not once or twice in a lifetime, but every single day, like what, what else in life offers that kind of newness every single day? So I think that's just something to think about and keep in mind. In that time of recording, yesterday was the Feast of St. John Paul II, who says the beautiful quote, a life with Christ is a wonderful adventure. And I think that that is as silly as that sounds. If you really take time to unpack that, there has never been a saint who did not find that to be true. And like I said, there is no saint who entered into the life of following God and because it was boring, right? These were thrill seekers. These were adventurers. These were the, the, the cream of the crop of humanity. And they go there because they were never bored of, of God. They may have been frustrated with him. They may have felt alone from him, but they never were bored. And I think that the beauty of it, too, and this is, I think, I, I mean, I learned about this in a class I took on uh, angels. I took a class called Angelology, which was awesome. But, you know, we learned about our guardian angels. And this is, you know, this the church doesn't have like a definitive statement on guardian angels and what exactly their role is. But the idea being that like your guardian angel reveals himself reveals God to you in a way that is specifically tailored for you, right? Because I know this is high theology and I don't want to accidentally spout heresy. So please take what I say with a grain of salt or is it a grain of sand? It's a grain of salt, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With a grain of salt and or sand. I hate sand. (laughs) Or a grain of rice. It's coarse. Unless a grain of sand shall fall upon the ground. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say that God is, you know, God is perfect. He almost, he is unchanging, right? This is divine simplicity. He has no parts. He cannot change. Uh, so he's almost like he can't love anybody any differently, right? It's almost like he just is love, and this is what God's love is, and it's beyond even our understanding of the word love. But like our guardian angel almost like filters it to be and packages it into a way that we can understand, right? Because God, like for me, um, like I said, he if, if he were to just, if God were to just be in one way, it might be more damaging to me than if, like, if God were to approach his relationship with me the way that he does Cody or Bobby or any of you, it might do more damage to me than, than good, right? If there's somebody who really struggles with, like, scrupulosity or maybe, like, has, like, gets uh, caught up in his head and has a trouble to discerning voices in his head, like, God's probably not going to reveal himself to that person in the voice in your head, right? Because, like, if, if you can't navigate that very well, God at that time is not going to reveal himself to you in that way. It's going to overload your circuits. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, God has a huge sense of humor with me. That's not the case. I know some people have had zero experiences of God being funny, but I mean, I don't know how because God is hilarious to me, but that's that's part of the reason I think why that, you know, in God, like, hand made this relationship for you. Hmm. And I think that we need to just be happy and own the fact that this is the way it is and never try to put God into a box. Yeah, like you said, he's not a tame lion. He's not one to be predicted or to be put into a box. He is, because uh, it wouldn't be life without it, right? Life is not meant to be forced into a box. This is the, I th- I'm pretty sure, I mean, I I love the, the Aslan quotes, and I may have even used this one before, and I've definitely used it in talks before, and Gerardo, wherever he is, he's been, <laughs> um, he loves this quote, but it's when... Lucy is speaking to Mr. Beaver and they're going to go see Aslan and Lucy hears that he's a lion and she says, oh, he's a lion. Is he dangerous? And Mr. Beaver says, like, are you kidding? He's a lion. Of course he's dangerous, but he is good. And I think that that's 
so profound of, of C.S. Lewis that just captures that, that like, yeah, he da- not dangerous in the sense that he's going to hurt you, but dangerous in the sense that like he's not predictable, which we've said a bunch of times. But he is good, and he is looking out for you, and he won't do anything that is not in your best interest. This question is always hard to do justice with the answer because it's not like, how do I make this PowerPoint? Like, I'll show you how to make the PowerPoint. It's easy, and you shouldn't use it anyway, but let me, I'll show you. Like, how do I hear God in prayer? Okay, like, we can guide you to some recommended tips, but it's not a you know, one size fits all guarantees we said. And that's, again, you can't put him in a box. He'll do what he wants. And so we just have to really kind of create the environment. We have to let our guard down. We have to make the time. We have to tune ourselves in, whether silence or scripture, the rosary, calm our imaginations, and then let him have his way. And that may be profound silence. That may be a word of knowledge. That may be guiding our hearts to a decision that we don't want to make. Um, and then I think we have to act on it and then the fruit is going to be known if it's peace or anxiety. So again, I think this is, this is, this question is so important and yet hard to, to do justice without it kind of taking this meandering way about God is God. We can, we can give you some, um, suggestions and then you just have to put the time in. Yeah, I mean, we've gone all over the all over the map with it, like Bobby had said, almost by necessity. Cody, do you want to like just kind of give like for anybody that's still listening, he's made it this far. Uh, do you want to just give him like a summary, point by point, kind of what we talked about? Yeah, for sure. Intrinsically, kind of scattered topic, but the point I feel like what we have hit on today is that Christian prayer is different from the prayer of modern culture i guess you could say or even of any other religion particularly the eastern religions in that it is it is more silence for a purpose not silence for the sake of silence or silence for the sake of centering it's silence for the sake of listening it implies a conversation because it implies a conversation we can be certain that the person that we are meant to be conversing with wants to speak to us and we can be confident in that that we, when we walk into prayer, we're never walking into a, a, a moment where we're catching God at a bad time. Oh, dad's busy with work. Uh, hmm. You know, sorry. And then have to walk out of the room. We're always walking into a father who is ready and desiring, has been waiting for that moment where he can speak to us. That's a great analogy. We know that we're entering into a time, rather than just silence, entering into a time where with someone who wants to converse with us. He has a couple of different ways of doing that. One of them would be, you know, some fruit of meditation, right? Some thought that just comes to mind like, oh man, where'd this come from? Some movement of our heart to speak to someone or to do something, or like you said, make some decision that maybe we didn't necessarily want to make, but now it feels pressing. And then, or silence. It just seems like he's not responding, but even that lack of seeming lack of response is some response. Like he's drawing us out of ourselves. He's drawing us into himself. He is being spontaneous, unpredictable. And then how do I leave that time of prayer? How do I think about the voices that I heard or what I experienced? Did it bring peace? Right. And silence doesn't always bring peace. The, the fruit of silence is not always like, wow, I just feel so at rest now. Sometimes it is frustrating, right? But the, maybe the silence was meant to be frustrating that day. Do I feel like I want more of God, mm-hmm. right? Because even in that frustration, you're frustrated because you wanted to hear something. 
So it is still engendering some desire in you to go back and listen again. And it's him drawing you to himself. What is the fruit of what I heard, right? Or what is the fruit of, of the action that I take, right? Whether it's some thought experiment, thinking through, okay, this is, this is the voice. This is what it kind of either told me to do or made me feel or made me think or move my heart. If I really carry that out, what is the fruit of that? Not just silence, but silence for a purpose. He wants to speak. He speaks in a couple different ways. And how do we know it's him speaking is, is based on the fruit of what is spoken. And God just wants us. Again, some, some of the best time I spend with my spouse and my kids is just wasting time. So above all, waste time with God in prayer. It doesn't need to always be productive or like towards something. Just be there. I think that's all I got for you. I'm sorry if this was not helpful at all. <laughs> good luck. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Go out there and, and pray your hearts out. But yeah, that's the, that's the sinner's take. So trust it if you will. Trust it if you won't. <laughs>